It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And I'm a day late again. And I'm a day late again for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them is I'm digging out my garden. The kids are sick. And uh, I wanted to let the Rob Domofsky one breathe. It's our most popular episode is with uh, Rob Domofsky. And I told you before you know, the off-season started, that we weren't going to go into an off-season, that I wasn't going to go into an off-season, that I was going to try to secure some good guests. And what I really enjoyed about the Rob Domofsky one is, and I said it on the pod, uh, we're fanboys here, I like his articles and all the rest, but hopefully it wasn't over-the-top, sickly, uh, you know, man-love for error Rob. Um, but it was a good insight as to how he gets rumours, how he, you know, how he knows what he knows and who he calls on to get those rumours. And, and that was kind of reflected in the comments and how popular that episode was. There are more blockbuster guests coming uh, this off-season. And I have a lot of emails in the inbox with ones, like, all we're missing is the set a date for some of these other people. Some of them are astronomical, you would not believe. Um, and other ones are just going to be super interesting. But I can't tell you who they are yet because I could come out with it and say, you know, we're millimeters away from securing this guy. And it might not all come true. And then I look like an arse because that happened. I remember when we started doing the podcasts. So I was getting on, you know, pretty famous dudes, players, rookies. And I remember securing one with a really big guy. And... I didn't have what I deemed to be the correct uh, telephonic uh, equipment. So I ended up going across Dublin and spending a bomb on like a, you know, really corporate kind of speakerphone thing. Because that's how I used to record back then, which sounds like ages ago. But, uh, you know, let's face it, it's five years ago. Um, and go in and I was going to have him playing over the speaker and record it that way. Um, which are some of the older interviews, not the sort of high techy stuff that we have now. And went across Dublin, spent the bomb on this thing, brought it home, only to be told that this guy wasn't going to do it then because he had something else on or he, they forgot or he did something else. So that's why I'm very reluctant. Don't count your chickens before you hatch. But a lot has gone on in Pack Nation. We've Tremont Williams signed. We've people saying that the season is basically over because we don't have any cornerbacks. Um, You know, we have Mo Wilkerson coming out and saying that Mike Petton's D, Mike Petton's D is all about the the guys up front, which is certainly what we're seeing, you know, um, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, and now Mo up front, and to get that pressure, because let's face it, our pass rush was pretty much non-existent last year, um, based on a number of factors. And now we have Tremont Williams signed a cornerback. Some people are happy, some people are not happy. Um, his stats, he was the ninth best cornerback last year, um, because he had Peterson on the opposite side in Arizona, so he got targeted a lot, and he stepped up to the challenge. I have more thoughts on that. And then we also see the Jordan Matthews stuff coming out and he could potentially be signed. Um, we hear reports that he was only offered a million for one year because he went to visit the Cardinals, which is really intriguing. But he's more of a slot guy and there's a bunch of injuries there. I've got some thoughts on that. The NFL draft, who are we going to select at 14? Do we even draft at 14? Do we trade up? Do we trade down? What do we do? Who do we go for? But 
I'm not going to talk about any of that because I'm going to sit down with Aaron Nagler and I'm going to sit down with him Wednesday and that podcast is going to be out Thursday and me and Aaron are going to go through all of that kind of stuff. So this podcast is just another cool guest podcast. This is a guy that you probably haven't heard of uh, and I wanted to tease out exactly you know, what goes on behind the scenes, but I won't waffle on too much. This guy's name is Brett Hensel. He's the first ever Packers curator of the Packers Hall of Fame. Anyway, let's do it. Right, folks, something absolutely fantastic now. Uh, as you know, uh, we do our history podcast. We've we've done the Packers from inception all the way up into the 90s. We stopped at the Brett Favre era because, let's face it, who doesn't know about the gunslinger? And then we went back and we talked about Vince Lombardi, and recently we looked at Ray Nitschke. But I feel like an absolute amateur in the room because on the line right now, we've Brett Hensel, who's the creator and the first curator of the Packers Hall of Fame. And it's it's fantastic to have you on, Brent. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. So, Brent, is that description right, that you're the first curator of the Packers Hall of Fame? That is correct. Uh, The Packers Hall of Fame actually uh, just celebrated their 50th anniversary. And uh, prior to hiring me, they had actually never had a curator um, that had curated the museum. So I, I'm fortunate enough to be be the first. You're up there with uh, chocolate tasters, um, lottery winners, <laughs> and all the rest in luck. But look, before we get into that, because that's something that fascinates me, is how you're the first curator at this point with, you know, the oldest franchise uh, in the league. Because we've seen teams, as I said, like we're big history buffs here at the UK Packers. We like to delve into that. And we've went right back to inception and done pretty detailed podcasts, sort of chronicling all of the history up to, up to this point. But Brent, correct me if I'm wrong. You're Wisconsin born and bred. You're a Packers fan since you've been in nappies. But as a fan, despite everyone being absolute Green Bay Packer nuts over there, you had bigger aspirations from a very young age to do with the team. Is that correct? Sure. I mean, I, 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 I will admit this is, is my dream job. And, um, I, I, I dreamed about it as, as, as a little boy. I didn't, uh, um, know exactly what I would be doing, but I, I dreamed of, of working for the Green Bay Packers when I was just a small, a small little boy. And that didn't involve togging out now, Brent, and trying to make the team, did it? No, you know what? I was always pretty, uh, realistic. Uh, about my athletic talents yeah uh, i i did play play in high school but uh i certainly wasn't good enough to uh go on even to to the college level so uh no i, I if anything uh i dreamed about maybe uh working in the front office but uh i i actually like what i do there's probably a little less pressure on me yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you know, you wouldn't want to be in Brian Gudekun's shoes, certainly, uh, having to let Jordy Nelson go. Um, but so you become a, a social studies high school teacher. And what what in you sort of decided that that wasn't what you wanted to do? Because you go on and do your master's in history um, and you get into historical restoration. So did you have the Packers in mind when you were doing that? Or was that just you were just a bit of a history nut anyway? No, I would I would say it was just you know like you said I I always loved history. Mm. Ironically, when I originally got my undergraduate, I didn't uh, necessarily want to be a high school uh, social studies or history teacher. Yeah. Um, but then I decided that I did want to go back, and I tried it, and I liked teaching. I liked working with uh, kids and students, um, but uh, I didn't enjoy the experience at the school I was at, and. Uh, 
that's where I started looking at what else could I do with history. And I went back for my master's degree, and that's kind of where I got into historical preservation. Um, I interned at like a, a local museum in Wisconsin, um, where I was where I was working on my master's degree. And then eventually I got an internship at the Pro Football Hall of Fame that kind of started me down um, my my current path. Yeah, because that would have been my next question as to, you know, you get into historical restoration. In my head, I'm thinking Roman history and archaeology, which I took in, in college. I did a business degree and you could kind of pick another module and everyone else was picking like, you mm -hmm. know, additional economics and accountancy and all this type of stuff. I had that as my core subject, but said, you know what, I'm going to dabble in Roman history and archaeology went off that side. But you end up straight into the sports side of things, which is is supremely unique in the sense that you can, you know, mix this academia with a sport that is so violent, it's car crash stuff. So you head off to Canton to the Pro Football Hall of Fame as an intern. What type of stuff did you see there? And did it instantly hit you as, yes, this is the industry that I want to stay in? Uh, well, you know... It was a wonderful experience. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take back anything. Um, it, it definitely like, it, it was interesting. It was my first uh, experience with uh, the media, which was, uh, I guess, kind of eye-opening and unique. Yeah. And then, because uh, uh, I got to do, um, I can't remember what class it was now, but. Uh, it was the class of John Elway and Barry Sanders. Wow. So one of my jobs uh, out there at that time was I got I had to guard the bust. And the bust <laughs> was being filmed by uh, ABC at the time. Yeah. And I was like amazed at how they they sh they shot the, the bust and they spent all day for it. And then I later recorded the game because I, I was at the game for, for work. And I, I realized I was at doing this for like 10 hours of film mm. and they used it for like, uh, like five minutes. Whoa. So that was kind of eye opening to me. Um, and then, uh, just, uh, overall, you know, I, I got to meet some hall of fame players, professional players. And, um, I certainly, uh, could have dreamed that maybe working for a professional team, that was my ideal job, but I, yeah. I never imagined my dreams would actually come true. And it did, right? Because off you go to the Patriots, seven years as curator there. Um, did you go in at curator or did you kind of have to work your way up through the Patriots as well? And and seven years, Brent, is a very long time. Uh, no, actually, yes. I, I was the first employee hired um, for the museum. They were looking to, to, to build or create a Hall of Fame. It was before it existed. And... Um, so it was uh, it was actually a, a amazing experience because most curators um, never even dream about helping helping to create the the, the museum that they work for, mm. and I actually got that experience. I've actually had it twice now. So um, that really started me down my path, and I learned a lot. And uh, uh, eventually, I was able to come home. To Wisconsin but that's the thing right you're a Wisco boy but you spent that time in the Patriots did you did you get an attachment to the team while there? sure I mean I guess what I would uh, I compare it to just like a, a player getting drafted by a team he, like Aaron Rodgers he's from California mm. um, but you get drafted by the team that becomes your allegiance yeah uh, and you you become devoted to it and I, I don't think it's any 
any different for almost any employee that would work for them. So um, I was fortunate actually enough to, to go to two Super Bowls with the Patriots. Um, they, they actually lost both, but uh, <laughs> um, now I, I can't say I'm the jinx anymore since they, they lost the Super Bowl two last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, th- that kind of happened to us because we go over every year to Lambeau. Um, and I've done the Packers Hall of Fame tour as well. It's fantastic in there. But um, yeah, they were sort of saying that we had the hex because when we went over, we nearly <laughs> lost the game to the Chargers and then we got waxed by the Cowboys. But we went back uh, week one, regular season last year against the Seahawks, pasted them, Brent. So air hex is gone as well. So, right, you're at the Patriots. How do you get the job in the Packers? How does that come up? Do you just see it on a, on a jobs posting thing? Was that something you were looking for? Were you headhunted by your, by your hometown team? I uh, know, uh, like like you mentioned, since I worked for the Patriots for seven years, I got to know um, other people, uh, including my my current boss at the the, the Packers, and I, I actually put it into her, uh, I guess I, I whispered into her ear if <laughs> she was ever uh, looking to hire a curator that I would be interested, yeah. and uh, eventually um, they decided to renovate the Hall of Fame. And then uh, and hire a curator, and uh, here I am, like four years later, I guess four and a half. Yeah, well, hopefully you're not whispering in the ears of anyone else now, and we, we'll find you off shipped off somewhere else. But it doesn't get higher than the Packers. But here's something that confuses me, right? So as you said at the at the top of the podcast, you know this this been gone fifty years now. It was initially set up in the concourse of Brown County Veterans Memorial Arena uh, in 1967. Tom Hitch- right. Hutchinson is the guy who comes up with the idea, thinks it's great. And it just strikes me that I have these visions because they, they tell these stories of um, Bill Brault who was going around setting up actual boards and tables and and it just seems so archaic in a way. And then it's kind of part-time mm-hmm. because there's a team playing there and so they can only open at certain periods. And in 1976, gets revamped. The team put half the cash in, the Packers do, um, and then it moves to its permanent residence. All of this, you know, it's more for the podcast listeners. The Brown County Veterans Arena gets kind of a... A formal declaration. Uh, President Ford drops by, opens the place. Then Coney, Tony Canadeo comes by, drops off a stack of stuff. Mar- uh, Marie Lombardi comes by, drops off a stack of stuff, gets the thing going. It expands in 1980. And this is a mouthful of a question. Relocates to Lambo in 2003. And then it gets revamped in 2015. And that's when you become curator in around that time. It strikes me, uh, Brent, how through all of this time and in one of the teams that's the most historical and it's very important because that that's the number one thing that we hear by fans over here especially because we kind of need a reason to become a fan as opposed to you who was probably born in the area so sure. it's, it's in your blood right mm-hmm. so the history is very very important how does a team that old go on for so long and not have because i suppose look it's an achievement in itself because the packers were the first team to have a dedicated hall of fame just for that team so that's an achievement in itself but by the time you become curator, are you coming across items that haven't been looked after correctly because the people haven't had the training that you've had? And have you seen some wear and tear on certain items that when you looked at it said, oh Lord, you know, God, we have to save this thing. Or am I being ignorant of the process here? Uh, you know, most of the stuff wasn't in too, too bad a shape, but uh, you're not totally far off. I mean, there's certainly... Some items that uh, um, uh, weren't necessarily preserved properly or, mm. or by someone that was trained to do that. Um, so uh, it's been a process that we've been working on, and and even how 
I, I should mention we have like over 80,000 items in, in our archives. So just having them stored and preserved properly so that they last even after I'm long gone, mm-hmm. um, they'll be um, available for Packer fans to see um, in the long run. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you're working in a dream place f- full of artifacts and 80,000, I just imagine you're sitting aloft <laughs> six feet high on this big pile of stuff. But what does your day-to-day job involve? Because it's not just sort of preserving these items. You're also heavy into the research and st- stats style stuff, aren't you? Because you need to maybe acquire an item from a present-day game where a record is broken. Would I be right in saying that? Sure. It's hard for me to say like what a typical day is. Like you mentioned, number one is making sure um, Packers history is preserved um, from the long term. And to kind of go off that, one of one of my jobs is during the NFL during the season when the Packers are playing is when a, a franchise record happens, an NFL record, or anything significant like a, a magical moment, like say last season when the Packers played the Cowboys and um, Aaron Rodgers threw a la- the last second touchdown to Devontae Adams. I want to preserve that moment so I have something to represent that um, historically, long-term, whether what it, whatever it might be. Um, so I make requests to the, to the players after the game, like say if the game's on Sunday, I make the request Monday morning. Uh, I actually go through the equipment manager, Red Batty, yeah. and then he makes the, the request to the player, and it, it's up to the player whether they give something or not. Um, so it kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, most of the players are pretty good about giving stuff, but it is getting more uh, challenging because, frankly, the stuff is pretty valuable, and collectors pay a lot of money for it. So it's it's hand in hand but my my job is to make sure that history is preserved for the packers organization yeah and i mean that's an incredible amount of items how do you pick so that moment there as fantastic as it is and as important as it is to preserve that might not make the hall in a display case right so would you how do you catalog items like that and and events like that and sort of say to yourself okay well that would go in a case because of x reason i mean how do you it's it's that whole argument of like how did they pick the stories that made the Bible right? It's kind of like how do you pick the mm-hmm. items that go into the main display? Well, uh, first of all, I look for two two things. I'm looking for one does it does it tell us a story that's uni- unique or interesting for the visitor, and then two does it represent a great moment in Packers history? And if it actually has both, then that's that's really what I'm looking for for an artifact to display. Now, as as far as like requesting stuff during the season, one of the things we do have uh, in the in the Packers Hall of Fame is a a current artifact case, and so I collect stuff through the through the season. And uh, once I get it, I like to try to get it on display as soon as possible. And that way, when visitors come, they're seeing something uh, new and interesting. Maybe they didn't if they're you know a repeat visitor that they didn't see the last time they were there. Yeah. So, like right now, we have, uh, even though it was a, it was a disappointing season last season, um, we have that case has everything from from last season on display. And then once uh, next season starts in the fall, I'll start acquiring stuff 
from the different games, and eventually it'll start to become the 2008 season, and by the end of the season it'll completely be uh, artifacts from 2018. Yeah, because I've been to the um, Hall of Fame now a couple of times, and you know the, the present-day stuff is great and fascinating because you can almost have a sense for the actual player, and, and it's amazing. But it's the older stuff that kind of captivates me as well. And I have mm-hmm. some of my favorites, like my favorite all-time NFL player ever, uh, never mind Packers, is Don Hudson. Uh, I just think he changed the game. And to oh. be able to see some of his stuff is just blows my mind. And the fact that you can't actually get an, basically any of his autographed stuff or any of his game-worn stuff um, you know, online from any from anywhere, it's, it's super rare. Um, it just kind of blows my mind to be standing in the hall and looking at some of his stuff. But that's me and you're doing this full time. Do you become desensitized a bit to how amazing it is? Or can you give us kind of a sense of what's in the hall at present that you look at that you're incredibly fond hmm. of? Good, good question. Uh, you know, you, I have to give you a kudos, excellent choice <laughs> that the Don Hudson uh, Jersey on display is one of my favorite items since it is very rare and unique. Mm. Um, some stuff I, I definitely get desensitized to. You're not you're not wrong. I mean, if I I've seen, you know, one autograph ball. I even from like from the '60s, you know, from the Lombardi era. Yeah. I, I've seen them seen them all. Yeah. But you know that early early stuff that is I will say is like from the Curly Lambo era. Anything from that that is definitely very cool and interesting to me and will catch my eye because you are talking very rare stuff. In fact, even like I, I get a lot of calls um, regarding stuff and it's, you know, sometimes it's like collectors and they collect autograph stuff. And I don't really necessarily care about autographs because it's not necessarily sure. It adds value to the item, but it's not necessarily interesting to a visitor to look at, you know, signatures of a person but that is one place where you know a curly lambo uh signature or don hudson signature that might make it very interesting because those are so rare and unique yeah so in that case but anything from you know a letter from curly lambo or a contract or anything that you know tells the early history of the packers is is really fascinating and as it stands uh brent what's the oldest item in the hall at present because we've seen the old Super Bowls and the stories of that they they taped over the tape from those games and they call them the lost mm-hmm. tapes because they're trying to patch stuff back together of what they found in someone's attic because of course back then it wasn't as important as we see it is now so is there much actually existing from the Packers formation and, and what kind of that old stuff you know do do you have possession of whether it's being seen or not seen uh, well, uh, the probably the the earliest stuff we have on display would be circa 1920s. We mm. do have like a uh, a football. I don't even necessarily know that it's from a Packers game, but it's still pretty cool to see. And uh, you know the the rounder shape than the the traditional football that is now. Yeah. Um. So we have a, a football that's circa 1920s and just kind of shows how the football has evolved over time. And then as far as Packer documents, I'm trying to think probably the earliest thing we would have is uh, we have like the NFL certificate the Packers um, were awarded in 1922. 
and then we would have some letters and documentation from the early 20s, like 1923 or so. Um, that's probably the earliest um, artifacts that we would have in, on display in the museum. And how often do new items come up, uh, you know, and that, that you get offered stuff? I guess, what type of process is it? Do you get calls from collectors who have items and are looking to sell them to the packers? And do you guys trawl back through history and actively look at items or I've heard about items that perhaps a fan might potentially have and go seeking out those items? Well, we, we I definitely, uh, I take calls. I probably take, you know, a call or two every week or every couple weeks. Um, but most of it's not uh, necessarily what I'm looking for, but I, I do take all those calls because you have to in case you do find that one treasure that's pretty unique. Mm. Um, I do, uh, once in a while, I do, I kind of monitor the, like, auctions and stuff just in case there would be something really rare that um, comes comes up in an auction. I'll give you an example. When I first started um, Clark Hinkle's championship ring, or I'm, I'm sorry, championship watch became available, and we didn't really have anything in place to, to like, jump on something like that, and it's yeah. so rare. So now we do have, like, kind of a policy in place that something would come up. We, we would probably go after it at least at a certain price it just becomes difficult because these collectors that believe it or not have uh endless pockets and um the packers organization well well off puts on a limit on what we would spend on something like that it's a it's a business and actually we don't buy items we i've actually never purchased an item we just have it in place just in case something special would come into being so, yeah, we, we operate like any other museum. Um, so we, we take donations and we do loan, uh, do loan uh, agreements. But the only way I would do a loan is if the item I knew for sure was going to be on display in the Hall of Fame for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, so we're, we, I definitely look for stuff, um, but it, it depends on... Uh, I, I, it, it doesn't happen very often. Every once in a while, I'll give you an example of something, uh, that last fall I had donated that was pretty rare and unique. Um, it was a, a beer bottle that had never been opened, um, that had a 1936, uh, Packers championship label on it. Yeah. So kind of represented that team. And, uh, it was, very rare and it, it was a, a very it was a great donation and that's something that went on display pretty quickly yeah and is there anything out there brent that you know of that you know a fan has a collector has in their in their you know arsenal let's say uh that the packers would love to have or is a really cool item but that they have it and you don't and that they won't part ways with it. Not that you went after them to part ways with it, but just is there an item in existence that you know of that you're like, that would be so cool to have in the hall? Uh, no, not really. You know what? I've in, in my line of work, I've gotten to know a lot of the collectors. And so I'm fortunate enough that uh, a lot of, a couple of the Packer collectors that I do know, they're, they're willing to loan this stuff. They, they want to share it with, 
Packer fans out there, mm. and um, it, it doesn't hurt the value of their item either being on display. So um, it's it works for both parties, and so they have some really cool items that we uh, get loaned. And how it works is, if I do a loan, it, it would have to be on display for at least a year. Typically, it's like two to three years, and then we kind of go from there. And if they like how it's displayed, a lot of times they continue that agreement and we'll renew it for another year or two. And and then sometimes it even becomes permanent where they, they donate it long term. Yeah. And we've we see old items, we see the new items, but there's also pretty bizarre items that are in the hall. Can you give us a taste of just what are the most bizarre items that you have on display? Well, the, the bizarre items, I don't know if I necessarily have them on display, although they've been on display in the past. Uh, I should say that um, we do rotate items in and out, and yeah. at least once a year I'll change out two or three items in like each area so people are getting to see new things. Mm. Um, but as back to your original question, one of the most unique things we have in the archives is we have uh, an eyeball that has a G on it. It's a, a fake eyeball. So uh, a Packers fan lost his eye um, <laughs> while serving in the military, and he okay. got the fake eye with the G on it, and eventually um, he donated it to the Packers Hall of Fame. So that might be the most unique item that we have um, available. That's bonkers. Uh, do you know what? An item like that, that uh, do you ever turn away items? <laughs> if someone says, I give you my eyeball, you're like, no, nah, you're okay. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> you know, yes, I do turn away items. Uh, I definitely, like I, I mentioned, I, I get a lot of uh, like autographed footballs and stuff like that. And I, I, you know, I, I actually try to talk people out of donating in that case was, if I already have like a, a couple autographed footballs from the 1962 Packers championship team, um, I tell them that, and I, I that's the first thing I say. I can't guarantee display. That's our policy. Yeah, we don't guarantee display, but I would happily take the donation. Mm. Um, but uh, sometimes in those cases, I'm like, don't you want to pass it along to your your son or your daughter or your grandchild? Mm. Um, and actually that's the problem. Sometimes they, they have, uh, people fighting over it and they'd rather pass it along right. to the Packers Hall of Fame. Yeah. Then we, we gladly take it. Well, maybe the guy with the eye couldn't pass it along cause just no one to take it. Maybe that's the opposite story. That is, that's certainly how it'd be <laughs> for me. If grandpa came over and said, uh, you know, I've got an eye for an artifact here. I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll be like, no, thanks. Um, so one that kind of stands out to me would be the splinters. Yes. Very interesting artifact. So can you... Tell us a little bit about Jerry Kramer and his splinters. Sure. Well, apparently um, he had, he was experiencing pain in, in training camp. Um, I'm trying to, if it was 1963, 1964, I'd have to double check off the top of my head, but uh, he was experiencing abdominal pain and they couldn't figure out what it was. Mm. And he was becoming actually weak. And uh, then, uh, eventually he wasn't going to be able to play and they did uh, exploratory surgery. And what they found that was that as they found all these splinters inside of him and uh, 
Um, basically, it was uh, he had stepped on a board. I don't know how that exactly works as a <laughs> as a teenager. Yeah. And they had went up in his system, and they if, if they wouldn't have actually found him, they eventually could have killed him. Yeah. And uh, just makes a, a great story that eventually he he returned, um, and then the following season, um, I believe, I think it was it was 1964 and then the following season they won the title again in, in 1965. So it just, uh, make, it's a, an amazing story, especially if you actually see the actual artifact, the splinter, one of the big pieces of splinters is huge. You wonder how the heck it actually got inside of them. Yeah, four and a half. I'm not inches. a doctor, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they see some bizarre stuff in the ER room. It sounded like he, you know, he got smacked by the plank instead of just standing on it. I don't know how you get a four and a half shard uh, thing in your intestines. It's quite incredible, and it's a testament to Jerry Kramer's toughness that the guy is still going, still a good, uh, you know, vocal mouthpiece for all things Vince Lombardi, and uh, of course going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame after all these years back where you interned, Brent, but. Let's finish up here. It's been a fantastic chat, um, but this is a very important couple of years for the Packers coming up to the 100-year anniversary. Is there some very special things planned for that event? Yes, uh, I can uh, tease a little bit. Um, there's all kinds of great things uh, the Packers organization um, has planned for the 100th anniversary, and that those announcements are going to be coming soon. But uh, we do have a special exhibit that's going to be opening in a few weeks on the 100th anniversary and uh it's it it's, it was challenging for me because <laughs> um basically the whole packers museum or hall of fame is about 100 years hmm. so what do you do that's unique to that and we chose to focus on the inaugural season of 1919 looking at um the games that they played that season and the and the players a lot of the players were um, local boys that grew up in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mm. And so we, we looked at, we have biographies on all of the original Packers. And I look back at all the original games where the Packers outscored their opponents 565 to 12. <laughs> Oh my God! And is it true? And this, I promise, this is my last question. But is it true? There's a few Paddy Packers in there. There's a few Irishmen. Uh, can you confirm that, or was that because we know that that is that is, is correct? Excellent. You are right on. Well, I would love to get my hands on some of those bios. So maybe Brent, uh, I'll be shooting you an email, text message, voicemail in the middle of the night to try get some of those bios off you. That absolutely flows my boat. But Brent, you've been so generous with your time, um, especially at this time of day. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And I'm sure all of our fans are going to really enjoy listening to this segment. No problem. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great stuff there from Brent Hensel, who is the first Packers curator, would you believe, after all this time. But look, if you've came here looking for up-to-date Packers news, uh, as I said at the top of the podcast, I'm going to be sitting there with Aaron Nagler, um, on Wednesday and that podcast will be coming to you either Wednesday or Thursday and uh, stay tuned for that one so make sure you follow the group on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram we're dropping some cool memes and make sure you're sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or anywhere that you get your podcast I've been at NFL. make sure you give me a follow and until Wednesday Thursday I'll talk to you then